Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians. No, yes, that's true. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll begin at verse 1. You found your place to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, stand in honor of reading God's Word. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but upon the power of God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We ask you again to bless it this day, to the preaching of it, to our listening, to our understanding of it, Father, that we may bring you glory. This is your word, and it's powerful, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What kind of preaching does this modern day world need today? There's a lot of thought put into that. Matter of fact, too much thought. Because see, my Bible tells me that God is never changing. And when he, first, when he first spoke his word many, many centuries ago, it was true then and it's true now. And if this world goes on for another 6,000 years, it'll be true then. God's word is the truth. And it is the living word of God. And it is the absolute truth. There's no need to change. The Bible tells us that in the last days, that people will desire to have their ears tickled. They want to hear pleasing words. Listen to words that will bring them pleasure. Words that will make them feel better about themselves. And in the wisdom of mankind, those messages can be told. Those words that will encourage you to be the better you and make you feel better about yourself. I'm here to tell you 
that I don't care how better you feel about yourself, if you do not repent of your sins and, and follow Jesus Christ as your Lord, you're damned to hell. And oh, preaching like that today will get you few in number. But if it'll get few in number to heaven, it's worth it. It's worth it all. Because see, God's word tells us in Romans 3.23, it says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that Greek word there, all, you've heard me tell you this many times, the very meaning of all is all. It's everyone. It, everyone born except one, and that's Jesus Christ, was born into sin, formed in the iniquity in the mother's womb, handed down from our forefather Adam. We didn't become sinners because we sin. We were born sinners and therefore we sin. It is innate in us. We are depraved creatures. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. And it also is just a quotation that Paul gave the Romans from Psalms 14, 1 through 3. It tells us there is none righteous. Not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So, what kind of preaching does this modern world need? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will it a man give in exchange for his soul. Many pastors today is preaching a Father's Day message, so I'm going to work this into something for you fathers. And moms. We are often showing our children what's worth living for. In our everyday in and out, we're demonstrating to our children the worth of life. They hear our complaints, our grumbling. They hear uh, of things that they, they feel that is important to us, the parent. But is it Jesus? Fathers 
how important is Jesus in your life that your children see? Our bulletin. And I don't have it up here with me. Someone got a bulletin. Rick, you got your bulletin. We're not bulletin carriers, are we? Hi, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I got it. Sorry, Anne Marie. Uh, Rick, no, you don't bring it. Just stand up and read the front cover loud. I want to hear your voice. Joshua said that. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do our children know that? That that is the main commission of the family, is that we will serve the Lord. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. How often do you deny yourself? He said you must take up your cross and follow me. What does that even mean? A, a cross is a symbol of sacrifice. Sacrifice is death. What he's saying is we must die to self. Die daily to self. Is the things I do on a daily basis glorifying God? Do I really live for God? It should be seen in the way that we talk, the way that we walk, our attitude of each and every day. And it takes denying self. Do you have that attitude? I'm going to put someone else before me. In order to live for Christ, you must deny yourself. You must die to self. Take up your cross means to sacrifice. And sacrifice means to die. Too many are being told that they need a personal relationship with the Lord. And even some say, well, you know, I, I have a personal relationship with the Lord. Let me share something with you, and I'm telling you the truth. The devil has a personal relationship with the Lord. But it's not a good one. A personal relationship with the Lord doesn't mean anything unless you know Him as Lord and you're denying yourself and submitting yourself to Him. Lord translates to be master. And we're the slave. You don't hear it, this type of message being preached too often today. The phrase personal relationship to some means that Jesus is my buddy. I want to tell you that Jesus said that you could be his friend. But he's going to be your Lord. And that's a good thing. 
And I hope by the end of this message you will understand that. Because see, he, he redeemed us. See, we were already slaves. We just had a different master. If you're a Christian today, we just had a different master. And if you're not a Christian today, then you have the same master that you had when you was formed in a iniquity in your mother's womb. And that is that you are enslaved, bondaged in sin. But Jesus came who knew no sin and lived a perfect life and went to the cross of Calvary. Why? Because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, He died upon that cross to pay our sin debt. So that we may have peace with God and that we may have eternal life in heaven. So we come to our text this morning and Paul wants to have the readers to know that he did not come to astound them with great words of wisdom and fix their ever problem. Verse 1 states that he came proclaiming to you the testimony of God. The testimony of God. In chapter 1, verse 17, he states to preach the gospel. He came to give us God's Word to preach the Gospel. The Gospel is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, sinners and believers, you need to hear the Word of God preached. And we need to absorb it. And we need to digest it. And then we need to apply it to our lives. The preaching of God's Word is Paul's drive. He understood his calling. And it was not to be about him. But it was to be about God's word. Me as a preacher of God's word, I'm not to be here to just to get you to like me. I'm here to preach his word to get you to love him fervently. Paul states in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is God-breathed Word. By the way, don't let anyone come up and tell you something outlandish and say they got it from God. Unless it's in God's Word. God does not reveal Himself apart from His Word. You say, why do you say that? Well, that means that anybody could just stand up and say, well, God told me that we ought to do this. No, there, there's Scripture. And it's inspired. It's God-breathed. And that's what we are to listen to. And to study. And to read.
He said in 2 Timothy 4.2, he tells young Timothy, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. It means just preach it when it's popular. Preach it when it's not popular. When it's uh, convenient, preach it. And when it's not convenient, preach it. When it's acceptable to the culture, by all means, preach it. When it's not acceptable to the culture, certainly you must preach it. To reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with great patience and instruction. Paul puts much emphasis on the preached word of God. We can look around today. There's not too many people that put much emphasis on the preached word of God. Preachers need to preach every sermon as if it were their last sermon they were ever going to preach and they had a room full of lost people. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. I, I do not know what it is about human nature. We are perfectly fine with living our own lives, doing what we want to do, and going about, but you let tragedy happen and we'll say, where is God? Where is God? And folks, I'm preaching to myself because I was saved when I was 13 and when I was 16, I started chasing a God of popularity and, and I got away from God and it took God getting me on my knees for I to call out to Him. What is it with us? It's that depravity. It's that old man that lives inside of us. That all we can think about is ourselves. Paul says in verse 2 of our text, he says, For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What is he saying? What is he saying to this modern day church? That's the gospel. And what we need today is what they needed years ago, and that's the gospel. It's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus prayed that the Father would take the cup from him, but he said in his prayer, but not my will be done, but yours. And in his death on the cross, God the Father was pleased. He was pleased. He was glorified. He was honored that his son died on a cross. A place of shame. 
Isaiah 53.10 says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he rendered himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Why did it please the Father? Because every time that someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, a child is born. They've been born again to the Heavenly Father. That we become children of God. And it glorifies God. It pleases Him. Jesus Christ in Him crucified. Paul said that is the main text. That's the focus that he's on. It is the gospel message. His determination was to lead sinners to the cross so that their eyes may be open, for they could see their sins have been paid for at a very high cost. This was the determination. However, Paul preached the full counsel of God to the church as it is declared in Acts 20, 27 and Acts 18. The, the, the focus was Jesus Christ. It is not until the sinner comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ can one even understand anything else of God. The first thing that the sinner has to know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That He died a sin-atoning death for your sins because you are the sinner. I am the sinner. And we have to come to the realization that we need a Savior. And there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. There are those who declare the Bible is so hard to understand. The first and foremost thing that we need to understand is who Jesus is. Why did he come? What is his purpose? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he die? What is the purpose of the resurrection? And why did he ascend to the Father? When one gets the answers to trust and believe in Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, the Risen Lord, the Lion of Judah, the Son of the Living God, the Door, our Peace, the Rock of Salvation, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, the Alpha and the Omega, the, a Savior, uh, our Intercessor, our, our Righteousness, the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He is to be our everything, and He is our all in all. He's all that we need. His name is is above every name. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, our sustainer. He is our bread of life. He is the water where we will never thirst again. He is the word that became flesh. To know him is to love him, to desire him, to love what he loves is to hate what he hates. It is to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him. And there's so many more things that could be added to that that I could go on and on and on to tell you who Jesus Christ is to us. He's everything. Paul's main focus is to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 3 says He, he came to Corinth. 
in weakness, in fear, with much trembling. He says, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Paul had been beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. He was ran out of Thessalonica and Berea. And he was scoffed at in Athens before he came to Corinth. This certainly must have caused his weakness and his fear to the point of trembling. But he came to Corinth with a message. It was the message that the reason he was beaten and he was, he was in prison, he was mocked at, scorned. It was the same message. It was Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul declared that it's not by man's wisdom. Paul said, I didn't come up with this. I'm just a messenger. He's now telling us that he's weak and fearful and trembling, but the Spirit is demonstrating through him and of power. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verses 17 through 19. It says, therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to, to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by the word and deed, in power and signs and wonders, in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Eleutherum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul says it's been absolutely amazing. It's been amazing what I've seen the gospel do of people hearing the gospel and coming to understand that God sent His Son to die for their sins and He died upon a cross that if they would put their faith and trust in Him and follow Him that they could be saved and their sins could be washed away and they could be born again not into a life of depravity, but in a life of eternity. Mankind does not have the power to save anyone. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through the power. Paul says, man, what power? What power? My friends, if you've ever led anyone to Christ, if you've ever sat down and shared the gospel with someone and see the light come on in their life and see them get vigorous and get fervent for the Word of God and for, for His doings and living the life, every time you see them, man, it just feel like you got saved all over again. As you watch them serving the Lord and, and praising Him and you're just thankful to God, knowing that you... We're nothing but a messenger. Nothing but a messenger. I tell people that I serve papers to sometimes they get upset about the paper I bring to them. And, and 
I mean, I don't really know nothing about it most of the time. I just know that I've got to go to this address and give this person a paper. And I go there and I'll get hollered at and fussed at. And here a couple weeks ago, I might have told you this, that there was a lady, boy, she just jumped all over me. I mean, she was just getting on to me. And I finally said, whoa, hold up. <laughs> I said, ma'am, when the mailman brings you your electricity bill, do you get mad at him? Because I've had much to do with this papers, the mailman bringing you your electricity bill. When another way that when we share the gospel, we just, we're just delivering God's mail. And it's good news. It's not the bad news. It's the good news. And it needs to be opened up immediately and it needs to be received immediately and since therefore it's not by the power of mankind to say but God through the spirit mankind can pray we can pray and pray for the lost be burdened for the loss. It was thunder and our scared cat that woke me up at 2.37 this morning. And I was pretty upset about it at first because I couldn't go back to sleep. But I began to pray. And I prayed and I prayed and God and I just had a time this morning. I got up, went to my desk, and opened the Word of God. And there's nothing like spending time with Him. I believe He's the best stress reliever. This, you know, they tell me that jogging relieves the stress. It might, but it hurts everything in my body. <laughs> Amen. But spending time with God sure helps, and I never know it to hurt anything. Charles Spurgeon said, "The power that is in the gospel does not lie in the eloquence of the preacher. Otherwise, men." would be converters of the soul. Nor does it lie in the preacher's learning. Otherwise, it would consist of the wisdom of men. We might preach until our tongues rot, till we would almost exhaust our lungs and die, but never a soul would be converted unless the Holy Spirit be with the Word of God to give the power to convert the soul. That was part of my prayer this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan 
to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. And concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power and perfection and weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and, and with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when we're weak, then we are strong. What is Paul saying? Paul says, look, there, there, and some people believe that it was his eyesight was failing. Uh, but it does, does look like some type of physical weakness that he had. But he, he considered it a weakness and he prayed that it would go away, that it would leave and God would heal him. Whatever it was, it was something that bothered him. And he says that I prayed about this three times and, and God just answers me by saying that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I, I want us just to think about that. Grace is a uh, is we are getting something that that we really don't deserve. And here is a man that says, "You know, I got this physical problem, and I think I could do a whole lot better. I could be a whole lot stronger. I wouldn't be so weak if if this would be just removed from me." But God said, His grace is sufficient. You ever have something that you just wish would go away? Maybe it's something that you pray for. Maybe it's a physical ability. I would tell you it would be my singing, but y'all need the grace more than I do. Uh, listen to me. But do you know that God's grace is sufficient? No matter what your circumstances are, His grace is sufficient. Do we truly understand grace? Do we understand that none of us deserves heaven? We all deserve hell. And we're only going to heaven because of God's grace. That's it. There is nothing. Remember, none of us are good. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. But Jesus gives us the gift of eternal life. What grace. Paul goes on. He said, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. He said, basically, Paul, I'm not going to fix this problem because see, when you are able to share the gospel and someone comes to know me, they know it was by my power and not yours. 
We have some that hadn't heard this story. I know some of them, most of you probably have, but Billy Geis. Billy Geis was age 67. He was in the hospital uh, fixing to have a, a heart issue thing done. Uh, he was not a believer. Uh, his sister was a member of my church that I was pastoring in at that time. And, and, and she came to me and she was worried. She said, my, my brother, he's got heart problems and he's up in St. Francis. And would you please go see him? And I went and saw him. I never had a man to be as rude to me laying in a hospital bed as he was. When he found out that I was a preacher, he wouldn't talk to me at all. He didn't want to hear a word I had to say. He had a picture on his bed of his dog. Just so happened that it was a little rat terrier, and at that time I had a rat terrier that looked nearby identical to that. I said, wow, that looks just like my dog. And he started smiling, we, we talked about dog. For a while, then he, I tried to ease God back in, and as soon as I did, like he got mad at me. The next day, he had his procedure done, and then he went home, and uh, I'd go by his house, and I'd knock on the door, and his dog would bark like crazy at me, and it took him forever to get to the door, and he'd open the door, and he, he didn't even act like he was happy to see me. And I made a few of those visits, and the only thing I could ever do is talk about that dog. If I talked about God, then I was going to be shunned. Another year went by. I quit going. I said, this man, I don't want to hear anything I have to say. I'm not going. Another year went by, and sweet lady in my church came up to me and said, he's back in the hospital, Billy's back. This time he's at North Monroe. Brother Larry, please go talk to me. Okay. I want you to know that I didn't want to. I'd written him off because he don't want to talk about God. But Miss Nancy, the sweetheart, and I did it for her more than anything. And when I got off that elevator, I was walking down the hall praying and said, God, I don't know what to do. This man does not want to hear about you. And I'm telling you folks, I was, I was just at lost. I walked in and they were scheduling him a triple bypass the next morning. And I walked in and I got beside his bed and I said, hey, Mr. Billy, you know that I'm Nancy's pastor, right? Yeah. And also I'm a Christian. Yeah. I said, Mr. Billy, I'm going to tell you something. Tomorrow they're going to cut your chest open. They're going to begin a work on your heart. They're going to stop your heart. They're going to have a bypass machine that's going to run that blood through you. And there'll be a certain point that they'll 
give you a hard little shock or something to get it back to beating after they get through working on it. And it either will or it won't. And so therefore, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And I wouldn't be any kind of a preacher or no kind of a Christian if I wasn't concerned about which one you were going to. So which is it? And folks, that's just the way I laid it out to me. It didn't sound very kind. It didn't really sound very caring. And he just laid there and all of a sudden tears just started running down his cheek. And he looked at me and he said, I'm going to hell. I said, well, you don't have to. Right now, you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did. The next morning I was on duty and I, I couldn't be at the hospital at the time. I was busy and Nancy's husband, Mike, was there and they was wheeling him out to the heart surgery. And, and Mike called me and told me this and he said, he told the guys pushing the bed down the hallway to stop. And he said, Mike, get up here and pray. He said, that's the first time Billy had ever asked me to pray in his life. He got home. I went and knocked on his door and he opened the door and said, hey, brother Larry, come on in. When he was able to come to church, the invitation was given. He walked down the aisle. He said, he got up there and he said, is this what I'm supposed to do? I said, yes, sir. You've come to profess Jesus Christ as your Lord. He said, yes. And I want to tell you, he was probably around 68 by this time. I've never seen a man at that age that was so excited about Jesus. Listen, he, all of you got your backs to your pew, but this man was leaning forward. He would put his arms on the pew before me. He would, as I walked back and forth, his eyes would never leave me. And on the day of his baptism, we were walking up the stairs of the baptistry, and all of a sudden I heard, and I was going first, and I heard him behind me, and he started crying. And I turned around, and I said, Billy, what's wrong? He said, Brother Larry, I haven't told you this, but I don't know how to read. And I can't read the Bible. I smiled at him. I said, Brother, if that's all, I got Bible on tape. We'll get you that. And we got, got him baptized. Six months after that, God called me to another church. Nancy and Mike wanted me to come to their house. I announced my resignation. Billy was sick that day and he wasn't there. And they said, Brother Larry, you don't know how much Billy loves you. That puffed me up. That made this old big head of mine a little bit bigger. And they said, we're worried that he'll quit coming to church after you leave. And I went to his house to talk to him about that. Had my speech all laid out and prepared. And I said, Billy, I'm, I'm leaving. He said, yeah, someone called me and told me that. I said, well, Billy, I want you to stay in church. He said, well, I certainly am. He said, 
I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not a follower of you, Brother Larry. <laughs> and I said, Amen. <laughs> and that's kind of what Paul is saying here. It's not about the man. It's about Christ. And Billy left this world some years later as a child of God. And there's no doubt I know that he's in the presence of God today. What a joy. You know, we're all getting older. But spiritual power is a mark of every Christian who submits to God's word and spirit. It is, it is not reserved for some special class of Christian. There's not such a thing. Our God is no respecter of persons. But it is for those who discipline their minds and spirits to study the Word of God, to understand it, and to live by it. Study His Word, understand it, and live it. That's what we as Christians are called to do. It doesn't mean that if we don't do that, we're not saved. No, but I tell you, if you are saved, you will do that. It is to study the Word of God, to understand it and live it, we can't do that unless we are saved. Second Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. As our body ages, yet we, we have been studying the Word, we have been understanding it, we have been living it, our inward man is being renewed daily. I got a call this week from my pastor, Brother Mickey Bounds, and he asked me, he said, Larry, have you heard the song, New Grace? I think Brother Mickey's around 86, 87. And, and I said, no, sir, I don't believe I have. He said, well, the song is about God's grace, but it's called New Grace. And he said, it's about a grace that we haven't reached yet. But it's about dying. That when we get to that point where we're dying, we'll have a new grace. And it'll still be God's grace. That God's grace even carries us through our dying. And I thought about Romans 8, when it says nothing will separate us from the love of God. That no principalities, no powers, not even death will separate us from the love of God. Oh, that we're being renewed day by day. Let us continue to grow in Christ. We who are saved know that He has the power to save. Uh, for me, that is the, the greatest miracle that was ever done in my life, that He saved me. I mean, wow. I, I, I didn't deserve it. I was undone. I was a sinner. But God saved me. His power saves us and it can use us for His glory. See, He didn't save us just for us to be comfortable, just for us to have some fire insurance, just for us to sit on a pew. He saved us to use us for His glory so that we may tell others His desires become our desires. 
We should want and desire to be used by Him. Paul says even though he was weak and fearfully trembling, God's power worked through him. There's nothing that God's power cannot do, and there's nothing that God's power cannot do through you. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What, what does that say to the modern day church? What kind of preaching that the modern day church needs is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's able to do exceedingly above whatever we ask. And then it just blows my mind and it says even as we think, we can't think of something that He can't do. For His glory. For His church. It says all generations. That means our next generation. And our next generation. And our next generation. If the Lord tarries. Wow. You know I've heard people say it's the scariest scary time today to have children. It's always been a scary time to have children. My answer is that as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Raise your children to know Him. To honor Him. To give Him glory. And teach them to be friends with the world is to be an enemy to God. To love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, there's not a greater thing in this world going than to be a child of God. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Him than all the things in the world. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all in all. Do you know Him today? I would plead and I would beg. First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians 5.20 tells, Paul says it's okay to do that. To beg and to plead, to urge you to be re reconciled to Christ. To follow him.
He is the most precious gift that anyone can have. Right now, I have my 16-month-old grandbaby at the house. And this week, she's been doing some astounding things to Grandpa. She'll be across the room and just start smiling and running and holding her arms like that to get in my arms. Man, I feel like Superman. She is a precious gift. But Jesus is more precious. Jesus is the most precious. And that's the way he needs to be in our life. Because if I made my life all about my little grandbaby, then my grandbaby would think that she was something and she'd be full of that sinful pride and she would never come to know Jesus because she thinks that she's everything. I want her to be raised and know that I love her and I will die for her, but I love Jesus first and foremost of all for her. There's too many, back to Father's Day message, there's too many fathers that's getting too busy in trying to make their child the superstar, the athlete, the, the whatever, popular in this world. And there's nothing wrong with that until it takes the place of worshiping God. That God comes first in all things. Because one day, One day, they will not be able to play ball. But with their dying breath, they can say, praise you, Lord. And be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. The most precious thing that we can tell them is that Jesus died for their sins. To give you eternal life. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. That's what we need. We need to raise and train our children up. In the way of the Lord. So that when they're old. They will not depart from it. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord God, we come to you and we thank you so much, God, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the blessed gospel message that Christ came, lived a righteous life, and went to that cross to die for our sins so that he may give us his righteousness if we will trust and believe. Father, you speak to the hearts today. I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.